This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. My name is Rich Bradbury, joined in the studio by... Myself, Roshan Kanesan. 12.06 here in the studio on Wednesday, the 14th of June, Wednesday. Wednesday. We're almost my favourite day of the week. Almost? Yeah. So your favourite day of the week is Friday. Thursday? No, it's no. Friday, uh, of course. I thought you were trying to, you know, like psychologically get yourself like going by saying like Thursday is like Friday junior. So uh-huh. you're like, there's a bit of anticipation. No. You know, kind of like how Sunday is the worst day of the week, right? Although it is a holiday, it's still... You have the anticipation of the Monday. That's yes, why it's correct. Like, see, I'm trying to move us away from. I don't know if you noticed this, but the last few days, our introduction has always been the weather is nice outside. It's a balmy 15 degrees or whatever it was. So, he's cold. He's cold. It's not as cold today <laughs> as it was yesterday. Anyway, uh, right. What are we talking about today? Uh, it's quite a, a serious topic today, yeah. actually. And this is something that has been in and out of the news, um, I guess, really since the beginning of the pandemic and has been mentioned throughout the pandemic. Um, we're still hearing about. Malaysian job scam victims, not just Malaysian scam victims, but they often find themselves stranded in foreign countries. And even just as recently as last Sunday, the Home Minister, Datukri uh, Saifuddin Nasution, yeah, you know who I mean, the Home Minister. That the Swiss I put in smile. That's what he said. That it's those that are really easily swayed by adverts found on social media. So in an era where online job listings have become the norm, an insidious undercurrent of job scams has been steadily infiltrating the job market, and the impact of these scams is far-reaching. Not only depriving desperate job seekers of their hard-earned savings, but also eroding trust in the recruitment process itself. Um, Let's start off with a case that it's quite an extreme case, uh, but you may have heard about this, you may have read about it in some of the press, uh, about a guy called um, Bill Stan. He's a Malaysian manufacturing manager who, in his search for employment, he fell victim to a job scam that went way beyond financial fraud. He responded to a job ad on uh, jobstreet.com for a business development lead position in Cambodia. The company claiming to be a Penang-based and government-certified company offered him 12,000 ringgit a month, plus commission, plus accommodation, food, and his airfare. Yeah, and after several seemingly legitimate interviews, uh, Tan flew to Phnom Penh on May 6th, 2022. But what followed was um, quite a harrowing experience. Upon arrival, he was taken hostage at the Victory Paradise Resort, uh, uh, where he was forced to participate in an online scam operation targeting unsuspecting victims for the next three weeks, essentially living in fear, Mm. documenting the illegal activities and and managing to escape only through a series of lucky events. Yeah. And on his return to Malaysia, he found that his captors had accessed his online accounts, they'd emptied his bank accounts, and they'd left him, you know, without money. Now, despite this ordeal, the Malaysian police were unable to take up his case due to jurisdictional uh, jurisdictional complications. The transactions had been authorised from his personal devices whilst he was in Cambodia, which raised the question of how to prove the crime. Yeah, on top of that, uh, he faced a lawsuit from the hijab company involved in the scam for sharing his experience on social media and a popular talk show, um, Dan's story reveals the multi-dimensional threat that job scams pose. They not only financially exploit job seekers, but can also lead to situations of forced labor and human trafficking. So, you know, Rich, when we often talk about forced labor, we always think about it as the D&D jobs, yeah, right? Yeah. But really, it's just, a, it's this is human trafficking on yeah. a different level, right? Yeah. Or alleged human trafficking. Because the way you've done it, you've enge- socially engineered this so that people voluntarily leave. And it's not like he 
got on a boat and braced some ocean right. to get there. He got on the plane and flew to yeah. uh, Cambodia yeah. um, voluntarily. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I mean, there is an element of fraud here, of course, uh, because he was promised something that he didn't get. But it is scary. Yeah. You know? And it, it's not limited to just Malaysia. It's become a global phenomenon uh, enabled by anonymity and reach of the internet. But the exact scale of the problem, it, it's difficult to quantify because the, there's underreporting uh, and the transa- uh, transnational nature of these scams. And as we mentioned earlier, they've got huge implications for the job market and the economy at large. They contribute to unemployment by taking job seekers into non-existing or exploitative jobs, wasting time, draining resources, and they undermine confidence in legitimate online job platforms, making job seekers more cautious and potentially discouraging them for applying to genuine opportunities. Yeah, in a so with me, you know, oftentimes, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not the only one, uh, you you get a, a WhatsApp, random WhatsApp from someone oh who's word. like, I've had so many of those recently. Are you looking for a job? Right. All right? And we can make light of this uh, here, but the fact is that, you know, a lot of people are looking for employment. And in a situation where this has been engineered in a way to pull someone who, uh, I mean, if they're a manager, they're looking at 12,000 ringgit a month, they're looking yeah. abroad, yeah. Um, structured in a way where you typically tap into two things, right? One is it's either fear or greed. Or yeah. greed. And this is generally how scams in financial spaces work. Yeah. Um, not only did he lose his financial resources, he could have lost his liberty in yeah, this yeah, situation, yeah, yeah. which... Yeah. If anything, should provide you some empathy for the the job scams uh, or the human trafficking scams out there, mm. because this is not uh, this is not the first. It won't be the last mm. of how these examples have been used. A lot of times, it's uh, people being led to other countries for again for this kind of opportunity. Mm. So it's mm. not something that only certain countries mm. are being targeted for. It's everyone right now. I mean, we're still reading about people who fall for this. You know. Regularly, you know, you, you a housewife up in Penang somewhere lost five hundred thousand. You know, somebody over in, in Malacca lost three hundred fifty thousand, and it all starts off with simple text messaging backwards and forwards. You think you've made a, a, a new friend, for example, you know, and these little things. Even just the, the other day, there was something. I think it was on KL Coconuts. There was a, a girl who's gone up to Thailand for for work, mm-hmm. and it turns out she's now gone missing. You know, she's twenty two years old. The mother's gone up there to help try and find her. You know, but it is assumed that she has applied for work up there and is now potentially the victim of human trafficking. So anyway, as employers did ramp up operations after the COVID-19 crisis waned, uh, a lot of these were faced with this very issue because of how job, sc- yeah. uh, job scams has proliferated during the pandemic. Genuine employers, <clears throat> excuse me, were faced with scepticism. Uh, we're going to be hearing from one of these companies right now. In fact, we're going to be speaking to Michael Tio from EduCareer SG, uh, and they're a company that matches job seekers with firms in Singapore uh, that are willing to offer employment and, and sponsor their education. Hi, Michael. Uh, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the show. Hi, Ross. Hi, Reese. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, thank, thank you for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. Um, my, Michael, one of the reasons that we're contacting you is, is because I read a piece just a few days ago where, um, you know, people coming to Singapore and, and looking at your company, you were one of these people that were having to fight back and, and basically say, <laughs> no, we are actually offering real jobs, correct? Yep, yep. Yeah, and, and, and what kind of, was that a regular thing? Did you have a lot of these people coming to you? Yes, we do. So we do a lot of advertisements in Malaysia to, to really to seek out to them in terms of coming to Singapore, of course, uh, with a lot of transparency and, mm. and all, yeah, to show them uh, what we do. And of course, um, not just about jobs, we also provide trainings, 
uh, we will give them all the information they want and to, to ensure that these are legitimate jobs. Right. So obviously during the pandemic, one of the industries that was, was biggest hit uh, was travel and tourism. Uh, and, and especially a lot of people moving around from one country to another, of course. And with that comes that fear of, is this job real? How much can I rely on these people that I'm speaking to? Are they real people? How do you think the pandemic reshape the job market in the tourism and lifestyle industry, particularly in, in places like Singapore and Malaysia. Can you share specific trends or maybe shifts that you've observed? Yep. I think one of the things that um, the job market has changed in the tourism and of course other industry in, um, in particular in Singapore is that um, many companies are now looking for more quality workers than right. quantity, um, which one of the main com- contributing factors is the increment of uh, work from home. Yeah flexibility and uh, that allows certain roles or tasks to be outsourced to much cheaper avenue and uh, with this I think it so leads to more uh, job scam possibilities because mm-hmm. that uh, it has become so common that uh, many roles that allows uh, work from home arrangements uh, which uh, leads to more victims falling into jobs, uh, job scams but uh, at the same time uh, this also comes from a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. whereby uh, employers are more uh, key and choosy in terms of uh, the requirements of the workers to come over uh, as such that I would say that definitely uh, employers are wrapping up in terms of hiring but at the same time uh, with such uh, work from home flexibility uh, they are looking to thin the the labour force domestically Mm -hmm. and to focus on better candidates while pushing out roles that can be outsourced to cheaper avenue. And right. uh, I think um, syndicates are targeting this in terms of uh, work from home flexibility to, to allow people to fall into their uh, possible traps and all. Okay. Uh, Michael, could you give us a little bit of an elaboration on the nature and complexity of job scams that have emerged in the post-pandemic job market in these particular industries? Earlier, we were talking a little bit about one example here. Could you elaborate further? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I think it links to the rise of cost of living and the work from home preference is still in most people. Then um, that the job scans people are targeted to address these two areas with the right timing of a post-pandemic situation. Um, definitely what uh, Rich has mentioned in terms of what Sarah Telegram is also seen, uh, I think, for the past one year yeah. or in Singapore as well. And uh, in the sense that they always talk about, uh, are you looking for jobs that offers high returns, work from home that doesn't require you to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they even offer you for good ruminations uh, to, to venture overseas like Cambodia, Thailand. And mm. they always claim to, to talk about uh, easing calling jobs. So basically that you only need to pick up the phone, uh, do some calling and you get, uh, you get paid and stuff like that. So I think these are some of the nature of the uh, job scan that's emerged during the so I mean, they're, they're essentially appealing to everything that people want. You know, it's working yep. from home, not having to leave the house, fairly easy job, good remuneration, you know, everything that you might want as an employee. These are the kind of weaknesses that they seem to be preying on, correct? Correct, correct. It's like the best of all. Right, right. Okay, Michael, we need to take a short break. Uh, hang on the, the line with us just while we, we head into a short break. But we will be coming back, of course, asking you a few more questions uh, about how some of the job scams have affected Malaysians seeking opportunities, perhaps in Singapore's tourism industry. We'll get back to that in just a few moments. To take us into break, uh, it is Thin Lizzy with the boys are back in town. But don't forget, if you want to contact us, get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. Have you been a victim of a scam? Do you know somebody who has? Let us know. 018 789 
8899. We'll be right back after these messages. BFM 89.9. Bring forth money. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury, joined in the studio by... Roshan Kennison. Today, we're talking about dodging job scams in a post-pandemic work world and in an era where online job listings have become the norm, an insidious undercurrent of job scams has been steadily infiltrating the job market. The impact of these scams is far-reaching, not only depriving desperate job seekers of their hard-earned savings, but also eroding trust in the recruitment process itself. Yeah, so if we, uh, so Michael, uh, so to help us with this conversation, we've been speaking with Michael Teo from EduCareer SG, a company that matches job seekers with firms in Singapore that are willing to offer employment and sponsor their education. Michael, thanks for sticking with us over the break. Now, um, earlier we were talking a little bit about the nature and the complexity of the job scams we're seeing out there. Um, with all this in mind, could you give us a sense of how the rise in job scams has affected Malaysians seeking opportunity in Singapore in the tourism and lifestyle space. Yep, definitely. I think that um, Malaysians are definitely more sceptical when it comes to overseas opportunity as to question whether it was genuine or not, especially mm. after the Cam- Cambodia case. Uh, I remember last year I was in KL uh, attending at a career fair. So it's like, uh, I think most a lot of Malaysians come to our booth. They even put funny comments. It's like saying that, uh, are you sure that you guys are not from Cambodia? You know, <laughs> the kind of funny, funny questions and all. So they, they tend to ask a lot of questions like uh, where are we from and all uh, to give more details. And definitely, I think that incident has caused a social scar uh, mm. probably will linger around for another one, two years. And definitely, I think more work needs to be done to actually instill trust in Malaysians to give them the fit to take a leap of faith to take overseas opportunities. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's move on to some of the stuff that you're, you're doing over EduCareer. Um, sure. So how are you leveraging your guys' expertise and your network to verify, I guess, some of the authenticity of some of these job offers, particularly for Malaysians who are seeking employment down there in Singapore? Okay, so basically for Eddie Career, together with our sister company, to employment we actually verify the company background mm-hmm. of the future employees that they want to work with. Uh, at the same time, uh, what we do is that we actually do help to apply their work pass before asking them to come over. Right. So basically, um, they will receive the uh, MOM, what we call the work pass, pre-approval pass, before they, they decide to come over to, to Singapore to seek opportunity. So all these legal documents and uh, authorities of documents are being sent to them uh, after they've been shortlisted so that to, to show them that this is all approved by the Singapore government so that they give them that this is uh, something they will be uh, guaranteed in the form of the uh, work pass assurance. And it, do you think, Michael, that that's something that um, most Singaporean employers are doing nowadays and they have to do it? Uh, yes, definitely. I think that's something that they, they do nowadays, especially after the pandemic. Mm. Okay. So, Michael, are there any um, unique challenges that Malaysians in particular face when seeking jobs in uh, Singapore spaces that we're talking about, tourism and lifestyle, especially in the current job market? You know, and how... How do you help with these challenges? Yeah, okay. I think one of the things is that I think after the post-pandemic, the uh, work quota has been tightening mm. the Singapore context, especially uh, for all countries, not just Malaysia. And uh, one challenge I think Malaysians will face is that they will need to have a higher qualification uh, 
uh, unless you are very experienced in particularly in the hospitality scene, mm. uh, usually the employers will not want to um, utilize that uh, precious quota on uh, non-experienced candidates. So unless you you are a degree holder in particular, I would say uh, that will give them some form of assurance that uh, you will be able to contribute to the company, then I would think that uh, the employers are more willing to hire uh, the Malaysians. Mm. Uh, while the other end, I think um, the rise of rental market in Singapore is also contributing to the difficulties in Malaysia's uh, coming down to Singapore. Right. Uh, we will see that I think in, in a short span of one year, rental market has rise over uh, about 60-70% and uh, they were having difficulty finding a decent uh, accommodation. Okay. So what we do here is that we actually have a dedicated resources to help them to find reasonable, reasonably priced apartments, which uh, in the terms called HDB, uh, for the candidates. So, and also, also to help them in terms of the programs, to get them uh, the right qualifications, uh, especially uh, those qualifications that are well recognized by the Singapore government. Mm. So, to help them to get on the right track. I'm going I'm to skip ahead here, Michael, just a little bit and, and right. ask about, you know, some of the, the proactive measures um, that you guys take to educate and prepare job seekers about potential scams in the industry, whether or not they're Malaysian, whether or not they're Singaporean. You know, how do you, what do you talk to them about and what kind of advice do you give them um, to make sure that they're aware of, of what's actually out there and how they can be taken advantage of? Okay, I think one of the things that um, for job seekers, they will have to always ask questions. Um, let's say that they got a phone call or they got a message from somebody, they always have to ask questions. Uh, they should also cross-check uh, simply put, like calling the company directly to see whether this person does exist. Mm. We do we do hear stories from job seekers in terms of like uh, when they call the companies, uh, they don't even recognize the person that they spoke to over the phone. Right. Uh, they also have to do their own research in terms of like, uh, is this um, post um, being uh, advertised in various uh, famous job portals? Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, also seek reference to to established websites. Uh, to see that whether these uh, companies are valid, uh, even like uh, Singapore, I think the business directory and all, uh, and all this. So it's just to do a lot of cross check and uh, always go direct to the company to seek uh, verifications. Mm. Okay, and have companies like yourself and and other similar companies entered into any kind of partnerships or, or collaborations uh, with other industry stakeholders or, or authorities to help combat job scams? Okay, um, I think one of the things that we did recently is that we actually participate in the career fair in a KL in with EcoShare at the Pata. I think that's a tourism fair, yeah. PATA, uh, held in Klang. Um, so I think right now the most, I think, ideal way is still a face-to-face interview mm-hmm. or meeting with the most job seekers. Uh, concurrently, I think at the same time to strengthen the legitimacy is to uh, work with partners uh, with our well-established academy so one of them is like a DHS, Hospitality yeah. Academy, yeah. who have been around for a very long period of time and possibly more partners to form the ecosystem that uh, both countries can do a sufficient cross-check. Mm. And I think this way that uh, most uh, job seekers will be more safeguarded. Mm. Yeah. So looking towards the future then, Michael, how is how are you guys looking to how are you guys planning to continue efforts to safeguard job seekers, particularly uh, Malaysians who are looking for better opportunities over in Singapore? Um, so currently, I think we do have plans to increase our outreach by establishing more contact points in Malaysia. 
Uh, our main HQ now is actually in Sarawak, in East Malaysia, uh, whereby we hope to build more connections in other parts of Malaysia, like KL, uh, to actually so that we will want to portray ourselves as a contact point for Malaysians in future that uh, we will be a um, safe gateway mm-hmm. to opportunity, in particularly in Singapore, that's how we want to brand ourselves. That uh, every time that any Malaysians would like to come to Singapore to seek for career opportunity or to upgrade in terms of education, sponsorship, and law, I think the first thing is that they go to the nearest contact point or branch office to seek for advices. Okay, Michael, thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, sure, no worries. That was Michael Teo from Edu Career uh, Singapore. Uh, and you learn anything new there from from that Roshan today? Be afraid. Be, be very afraid. No, uh, that's, that, it's, it's a serious topic. And ultimately, in this world of this very digital world, it's very important to find verification. And, and you know, I mean, that poor chap we, talk, we were talking about earlier went through mm. seemingly legitimate interviews, mm. right? So how much further can we look and seek for legitimacy. And this is where, you know, I'm going to take this to like the blockchain, for example. I knew you were going to go there. Because these are the real applications, not the nonsense of trading Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies out there. That's nonsense. Nonsense. I've said it. It's nonsense. Um, But the, the, the application of being able to authenticate and actually make things fungible. You know, this is where NFTs mm. actually make some kind of commercial sense, or at least from a public good perspective, finding a way to make sure that things are authentic, um, especially in the digital world, because especially now with deep fakes and okay. AI and all I, of that. I was just going to say that, that when, you're, when you're having a video call with somebody, though, yeah. and they seem legitimate, and you're having that f- literal face, face-to-face, screen-to-screen kind of conversation, how would you incorporate blockchain into something like that, though? So, like certifications for those companies, right? Right. So, like, okay, this is the certification for this company attached to this uh, element of the blockchain mm-hmm. uh, that is that was issued by the government of that country, for example, mm-hmm. or the trade union or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I did my HRDC training a few years back, um, my certificate is on a blockchain technology, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what they're trying to do to make it. Uh, non-fungible, sorry, not fungible, non-fungible, right? Essentially finding a way to make sure that you can't hack this. And it's not that you can't hack the blockchain. It's just, it's way more difficult because it requires changing mm. details on thousands and thousands, thousands of nodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very, very, very difficult. Yeah, to but uh, yeah, it's essentially just re- finding ways to safeguard people yeah. um, in an environment that's especially in the hybrid environment it's not as easy to tell what's real and what's not and and often all it takes is um for a friend or a colleague or something to help you understand and to make sure mm-hmm. that what you're doing you know is legit because you often need somebody sitting there saying hey too good to be true love bro. exactly okay so this is a great point and this i go back to it, it scams in general, right? So yeah. when I used to do uh, Ring and Sense, one of the things I learned from that is the two roots of, generally speaking, the two roots of falling for a scam lie in two things, fear yeah. or greed, yeah. right? Greed, not in the bad sense, but you're looking for a better opportunity for yourself, or let's call it uh, FOMO mm. and fear, mm-hmm. right? One th- someone calls you up and says, hey, I'm from the government, you owe me money. Yeah. You're straight away going to become reactive. Yeah, especially right? if it's uh, you know a policeman calling you as well, for yeah. example. Yeah. And on the FOMO side, if someone offers you a great opportunity, you're like, I need to take this now. Sometimes just breaking that uh, stranglehold that the individual or the party has on you and talking to a third person Mm -hmm. can really help you kind of make sense of the situation. Just snap you out of it sometimes. I mean, I I had a a neighbor fairly recently 
excuse me, who was having trouble, um, she'd been speaking to somebody nearby, and this person that she'd been speaking to just down at the market was convincing this poor old lady that she needed to give away her jewellery, and she was so convinced that this woman talking to her was legitimate. I'm like, Auntie, what are you doing? Why are you giving this woman you've never met your jewellery? She's like, because she needs it. She, she has all of these reasons. Why, and I'm like, come on, I need you to sit down and just spend five minutes having a cup of tea with you. Yeah. And that just makes me angry, right? Because you're taking advantage of the kindness of other people. Correct. So it's, yeah. Uh, long story short, um, it pays, it doesn't, it's important to be vigilant yes. uh, in this kind of situations, especially in a more... It, the internet, the digital world, still there are many areas that are still cowboy town. Uh, so it's very important mm -hmm. to be careful there. There's only so much personal responsibility we can do as individuals. Mm. Um, at some point, policymakers need to step in as well and find yeah. ways to legitimately certify uh, organizations. I mean, you have SSM records and things like that, you know. So, But how far does an individual need to go mm. to be able to make sure that the company they're applying mm, for mm. is real. And, you know, it's been, a, this, the saying has been around for so long because it's so true. You know, if it sounds too good to be true, it often is, you know. Take a step back. Take a step back. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to thank, of course, Michael for joining us and being uh, a cheerleader down there in Singapore for helping combat this. Uh, but if you did miss any part of the show, I, I recommend that you uh, listen back to the podcast, wherever you normally get it from. We do recommend using the BFM app that is available legitimately in the Apple App Store or Google Play or anywhere else that you want to listen to. You can listen to it on some of the other platforms, of course. But that's what we would suggest because we know it exists, we created it, and it's there. Anyway, um, <laughs> stick around. Don't go anywhere, because coming up after the 1 o'clock news, of course, it is the Breakfast Grill replay. Uh, from Putin, Trump, uh, Bolsonaro to Erdogan, and she, some of the... Mm, some highlighted names some here, man. Some very heavy names. Uh, the world has been seeing the rise of authoritarian leaders. Gideon Rachman, the author of The Age of the Strongman and Chief Foreign Affairs columnist for the uh, Financial Times, uh, shared on the Breakfast Grill this morning if this is a recent phenomenon, and one of the ingredients or environments that are right for these kind of leadership. Very timely conversation, given that Trump is facing charges yeah. on uh, keeping classified documents post-presidency. So, yeah, uh, the age of strongmen. Did you see that he had a photocopying machine in the room where he kept those uh, secret documents? I didn't see that. No. Had there's no excuse. Yeah. Anyway, of course, Gideon Rachman, the author of The Age of the Strongman and Chief Foreign Affairs Columnist for the Financial Times, joined The Breakfast Grill this morning. You can hear the replay of that episode just after the one o'clock news. To take us all the way up there, it is The Cardians with Sick and Tired here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.